Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. You're listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of the Masters University with Dr. Shelby Cullen and Kimberly Cummings. Join them as they bring hope and encouragement through 25 years of combined experience in biblical discipleship and counseling as ACBC counselors. Shelby and Kimberly provide biblical and practical wisdom by coming alongside women with the teaching and resources necessary to grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I was stealing things to feed us or to get our drugs or to get, and then eventually I I stole a tent and we met other homeless people and just fit into that community. And, Mm -hmm. and that community was gang ridden. It was, it was uh, run by gangs uh, that we lived in a 56 person homeless population. It was a big parking lot and we were extorted. So I had to steal things in order to pay off the gangs to not steal our stuff and, you know, assault her and assault me. And you can use your imagination. They really, they wanted to get at her more than myself. So now I was a self-professed atheist. I used to call her crazy. Uh, When she would even mention God, I I would say, why are you talking about, why why don't you just believe in Harry Potter? I would say terrible things like that. I was completely dead in my sins. And I would represent that with, with pride. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Bless Yahweh, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless Yahweh, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits, who pardons all your iniquities who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your ears with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Yahweh performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. Yahweh is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always contend with us. He will not keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, and he has not rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, So far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so Yahweh has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our form. He remembers that we are but dust. As for men, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flowers. And when the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of Yahweh is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. Yahweh has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless Yahweh, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. 
Bless Yahweh, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless Yahweh, all your works of his, in all places of his rule. Bless Yahweh, O my soul. And this is Psalm 103. Uh, this is the new translation. And if you want to find out more information about this new translation, I will highly suggest that you go and visit their Instagram page at Legacy Standard Bible. And just to find out why this new translation and just everything, all the details behind it. Um, thank you so much again, uh, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. Uh, very grateful for you, our listeners or viewers on our YouTube page. Uh, like always, it's always a joy to be able to come on every Tuesday into your homes and just uh, being able to hear the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Today, I actually have two special guests. Uh, I met them through my Bible study foundation. And I actually had, I think, two people uh, uh, that introduced, well, one person introduced me to them and, and that person told me, Arlenis, you need to listen to their testimony. You need to have them. And then another person also that I think it was the wife. I think, uh, she was talking to this lady in our Bible study. And this person also told me, you need to have them on your podcast. Mm -hmm. And I know that Andrea had the opportunity to listen to the testimony of one of them. And, uh, for what she told me, it was so encouraging and such a blessing. And actually, this is going to be my first time listening to their testimony, just like it will be for you guys. And I can't wait just to hear how the Lord brought them out of darkness into life. So please help me welcome Lawrence and Camille. Thank you. <laughs> well, right. welcome. We're so happy to be here. And it's, it's so great what you're doing, the ministry that the Lord has entrusted you with, and we're just here to glorify Him, and we're, we're happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, we're, uh, it's, it's been a, um, an amazing journey, and it should be known what He's, what he's done and mm -hmm. what He's doing in people's lives, and we appreciate that, and we've watched a bunch of the podcasts oh, yeah, that we've already we've had, and they were so encouraging. <laughs> we've been yeah. And uh, so hopefully we can, um, that the Lord would glor will glorify himself through this. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like, yeah, every time that I'm reading scripture, you know, it's just to, to, to remind ourselves, why is it that we are listening to these testimonies? Uh, because we acknowledge that we are sinners, that we, mm -hmm. we were separated from God and there is nothing we can do to restore the relationship with the Lord himself. And the amazing thing, just like I was reading on Psalm 103, is that once we come to the Lord, just this, what it says, right? I was reading uh, verses 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgression from us. So He is that compassionate Father that He... He forgives us and he doesn't remember the sins anymore, right? Amazing grace. Right? Amazing that, that's the grace of God and that's mm. why we're here. And I mean, Richard and I, uh, it's just, a, you know, the Lord has been so kind to allow us to do this. I know, like I always say, you don't see him here, <laughs> but he's always behind the scenes. And um, I am so grateful because, you know, I he's the person that I always go talk to. If I get an idea, it goes through him first. Uh, it's not like I just go and I come here like, hey, let's do this program. But uh, I like just hearing you know like he asked important questions like why are you doing this yeah. like, what is the purpose through this and i think that's a blessing in itself that you know through my husband the lord um amen you know like shout uh, out to richard 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's newlyweds. We, both of us, like, I think um, we understand that we see how much um, the Lord has put that other person into our lives for a reason and yeah. what marriage really is and what love really is. Yeah. Um, and so I think that acknowledging um, the what each person puts into the relationship, mm-hmm. but how much you're able to grow and mm-hmm. add to each other. I mean, yeah. I grow so much from yeah. um, my other half, and yeah. it really is that. So, yeah. can't forget Richard. Yeah. <laughs> well, like the Bible says, right? Like the the man is the head of the house, right? And mm-hmm. our uh, duty and the command for us as wives is to submit to our husbands, right? Yeah, and yeah. So very grateful, just very grateful to have you guys on the mm. podcast. Um, so normally I have yeah. my guest. Uh, to share a little bit, you know, to take us back to their childhood and share what life was like for them growing up. Uh, what was family like? Were you raised in a believing home or non-believing home? Uh, so I will start with Camille. Let's start with you, Camille. So okay. if you could just share with us uh, some of that life for you, like as a child, what was it like for you? Um, I, I actually had like a really um, supportive, loving, um, idyllic childhood. Like I think well, let's start off that my parents, my grandfather was a minister. So um, my mom was raised in the church, uh, Episcopal Church, um, and uh, also raised in Jamaica. Um, both of my parents are originally from Jamaica um, and uh, immigrated here just before I was born. Mm-hmm. And um, I have uh, one younger sister. She's like two and a half years younger than me. We grew up on the East Coast in New Jersey, Montclair, New Jersey. Uh, and we really went, we went to church. Um, like my mom grew up in the church, so she felt that she was obligated to go to church probably a mm-hmm. lot. Um, as a pastor's kid, you know, she was there all the time, yeah. but um, did not feel uh, that we as, you know, a family needed to be forced to go to church. Mm-hmm. So we went just for when it was important for holidays and whenever we had time on yeah. Sundays. Um, and so I remember going to church and loving being there. And I was the one like always shushing my sister during church, <laughs> like stop passing notes and stuff, you know, <laughs> but um I didn't really learn much from church. I barely remember Sunday school and whatever we did in Sunday school was mostly nothing. Like, I wouldn't say it was fruitful for me. Uh, I didn't learn about who Jesus Christ was, what he's done for us, um, what the Trinity really meant. So I was always talking about this Holy Spirit and didn't understand what his work was in um, a Christian. And so I had a very nominal uh, Christianity mm-hmm. uh, upbringing, but I always knew that, yeah, there was a God and I pray to him and I get down on my knees and I say my prayers and what that will do for me. And I remember at a young age uh, realizing though that the way that I thought prayer worked um was changed that I think that God does things, does what's best for me. It's not getting what I want. Mm -hmm. Um, He does what's best for me and in a time that is ready for him. So I actually do, I love that 
as a child, I wasn't asking for that, but I didn't, I still truly didn't know what prayer meant. Like how was I, I was supposed to pray to God what, um, what I was asking for, you know, was it just for candy? Was it just for, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, and so, uh, growing up, I continued that same, you know, pattern. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't really know how to pray or what to pray for. And so I was praying for things that I wanted. I remember when I met Lawrence, actually, I moved to um, California about seven years ago. Um, So I was on the East Coast for a while and then came here and then we met. Um, But, you know, I would pray for other people and things like that. But I didn't, I I wasn't doing them um, the service of praying under God's will. So, yeah, I, uh, I kind of grew up in the church, but not learning much. But other than that, I was a happy child. Me and my sister were best friends and uh, still really close with my family who are professing Christians, but um, I believe have never really had the the true um, teachings and mm-hmm. knowledge of the Lord the way that he wants us to know him, you know? Um, yeah. So... So uh, at at what point in your life then do you see that I don't think I'm, you know, I am a believer. So how is that process for you to get to that point of like, oh, I've been getting all this knowledge, but knowledge doesn't save me, right? Right. It's it's funny because I always thought, oh, well, I'm a good person. I always wanted, like, I would always help out Mm -hmm. at our church and do the soup kitchen and my mom would cook for them all the time, we do that on weekends and for Thanksgivings. And so I thought that I was a Christian. I thought I was saved. I actually didn't really know what being saved was. Like you just, you went to church, you were born a Christian, you are a Christian. My grandfather was like a part of the Anglican church. Um, he actually did evangelism um, ministry and touring from, he's originally from Barbados. Mm-hmm. So um, he went from Barbados to Jamaica, met my grandmother there, and then also went to England and other places. And so um, I thought it was just passed down to me, <laughs> that religion yeah. was passed down to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that even, um, like, once I came to California, I think we talked minimally about this, but, like, that there was just a freedom that I felt like I had. Like, I was in L.A., um, and it's not like I went wild and crazy, but I just felt like there was this room for me to be free and do what I wanted to do. It started out with me working a lot, but I found that I was putting things in my life that like, not only was I trying to um, fill some type of a void um, to be happy or to be like everyone else. So like I... Uh, moved because I wanted something different. I wanted a new environment that's going to make me happy living in California. It was great. I saw palm trees all the time um, and the beaches. And then I started working. I was working as a production assistant um, for a commercial and film. Oh, and, um, interesting. So I did that and um, started uh, doing coordinating work, like uh, being a production coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, so I was on set and working behind the scenes a lot. And if you know, it's, as you know, it's a full intense, uh, you know, job. 
Um, so I got a lot of stress that was, I, you know, wasn't able to really fully deal with. So, um, I was like, all right, well, if I'm working and I keep myself busy, then I'll be happy. And then it was like, other people were like, well, you never come out with us. And I'm like, well, cause I'm working all the time. I was like, okay, so if I party or hang out with friends, then I'll be happy. Then they're like, well, you're not really dating. And, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, I guess I should, you know meet some guys in LA even though I'm not gonna lie the guys out here were like so focused so self-absorbed so like focused on themselves and their looks and everything I was just like turned off you know I was like okay (laughs) um all right let's let's do this dating thing and then um so then what everyone was doing then was dating online these apps and so I was like this it felt so everything that I was doing just felt so it felt weird. It felt like it wasn't what I really wanted, mm-hmm. but everyone was doing it and it worked for them, worked for them. So, um, I <laughs> yeah. was like, all right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I feel that in doing all those things and substituting that, and then it was like, I'll take time off of work. That'll make me happy, which led to depression. Cause then I didn't have anything to do and all those things. So I feel that, it was it was really weird because I think once I was able to focus on that and it, it got darker for uh, once I met Lawrence, I was actually in a really happy place, like from meeting him. But you as you know, relationships when you are not saved or when you're living for the world are there. They deal with like um, what that person they have all these conditions. And huh. so there was a lot of. Uh, tension. There was a lot of things that we didn't know about each other or how to deal with um, properly. And so all of that started to... We went down a dark path Mm -hmm. um, and it was during that time that I started to feel like I was moving further and further away from God. Like I felt like who am I and what is this life that I'm living and how can I like this I I just felt ashamed I felt Mm -hmm. secretly ashamed and also um just really confused as to how I got there like it's like one small decision turns you off of the path a little bit and then Mm -hmm. another small decision and then as you um, continue down the road, you realize you've gone so far astray that you don't know how you can fix it. And yeah. um, huh. as you know, you know we can't we can't fix it alone. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that um, fixed me was realizing that I was a sinner that had strayed off the path so far. And yeah, you know, I was not doing right in God's eyes, and there was a reason why I felt that way. And so, yeah, I, I thought that um, I had done him wrong in so much that he could no, he could no longer hear me, mm-hmm. that he didn't, um, how could he love me? Yeah. And how was I going to fix it all? And so I'm glad I was wrong. <laughs> I'm glad that um, that wasn't the case and that um, there's... That's my hope is in Jesus Christ because that's um, 
how a sinner like me who realized that I wasn't saved, that wasn't a Christian, didn't know what that meant. And I wasn't even looking for Christianity or to be saved. Like I wasn't looking for, I just wanted to make sense of my life and it didn't make sense. And I wanted, you know, all these things that I couldn't provide for myself, happiness, joy, you know, it was like they were fleeting whenever Mm. I found them. And, um, it was, um, yeah, it was a, it was a journey for us, um, led to homelessness and drug use. Um, and Lawrence, you know, he, I'm sure he has more details of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, because although we're both saved, I, we had separate, of course, you know, we were separated. Um, so we had different experiences. You know, we don't just get saved because we're a couple. Um, that's the amazing thing is that we are able to have this relationship now mm-hmm. um, under, you know, Christian principles and all of those yeah. things that he's provided for us. And when before we were just lost and swimming and drowning each other, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I think uh, I needed him. And now I realize, I used to ask, I used to be like, Lord, why would you make me fall in love? I didn't know the Lord. And I would talk to him all the time and be like, I I was like, oh God, why would you allow me to fall in love with this person? And, And I couldn't see where it was going. Like I didn't understand. And he was, you know, we were both not, uh, great people at the time and I just would question it and now I know it's because he was sent to do this for my life was to bring the gospel to me I actually heard the gospel for the first time through my husband through my now husband it's so special yeah um to know that someone who professed to have faith and told him he needed faith and all of these things that he didn't want um the Lord had other plans. Hmm. We're in each other's lives because um, I needed to hear what it, what I really needed to hear, which was the gospel and that Jesus mm-hmm. Christ died for my sins, the ones that I was had sleepless nights over, the ones that hurt me, you know, to even talk about. I'm just, I'm so grateful that I um, have come to know Him in this mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So we're going to pass it on to Lawrence to kind of connect to the point of you guys, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. but let's go back to your childhood. Tell okay. me a little bit about your upbringing, your family, where you're raised in a believing home, and yeah, sure. we'll see from there. Yeah. So I, I grew up in New Jersey as well, just 20 minutes away from where she grew up, but we never met over there. I grew up in a primarily Catholic uh, environment. I went to nine years of Catholic school as a young child. I had, um, I lived in a nice neighborhood, I had children around. I had two, I have two siblings, two sisters, one older and one younger. My father and mother uh, would go to church regularly for most of my youth. Um, then they had issues with their marriage when I was 14 years old and got divorced. Um, and that's when they both, because the, the Catholic church is, they don't, they don't really forgive on divorces. They're like, mm-hmm. you can't come back in. So, mm-hmm. uh, so my, they both separated from the church. Uh, um, the two of them uh, separated from their marriage and from the church. And I went into public high school. And I, the more I went through Catholic school, the, the warped version of the Bible and the gospel that they would give, it just sounded ridiculous. And there was nothing to it. And it was just like these, these stories and then, you know, 
Uh, you could just talk to this guy in the booth and, and you'd be fine. And like, yeah, he, you called him father, which is, it was just weird, you know? And uh, I just didn't understand it. And I think the, it, tur- it turned me off uh, to that because I, w- I was just like, this is, this is a fairy tale, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I went to, to high school and uh, I was just like, my dad's out of the house. That's, that was my disciplinary figure. I was <laughs> like, I don't believe in God and I'm just going to go and take my fill of whatever I can get my hands on. So I was smoking. I started using drugs. I uh, had sinful relationships. I mean, I did. I was sneaking out of my house in the middle of the night. I was, uh, I just went off the edge there. By God's grace, I still made it through high school. I, I got a diploma and uh, I went into college and, and yeah, it's crazy. Uh, in the, in the college, I actually got into college on, uh, I'm a musician. Uh, so I play, I play guitar, bass and drums and piano a little bit. And I oh. was able to get into music school just based on tryout, not on grades because <laughs> Lord knows they weren't good. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, so, but I was still like dabbling in every kind of drug that would just come my way. It was like, it was just like, yeah, there's no, there's no, there was no restraining myself from doing those things. So eventually I, uh, I got hooked on heroin, which, uh, that, that, that particular drug has physical, uh, uh, issues that come along with it, uh, dependency issues. And it took me down a road of. Uh, about 12 years of fighting that addiction, going in and out of rehabs. I didn't finish college. I, I left uh, two, uh, two years in. I had, um, I had an overdose in Florida. I went to Florida. I said I was going to drive down and go to rehab, and I didn't go to the rehab, and I had an overdose in Florida. Uh-huh. Uh, I was intubated, put in the hospital. I had um, dual kidney failure, and half my liver was dead, and oh. some random person called an ambulance and I was laying on the side of the road. Um, and so I was in the hospital for two months and being, I had, you know, it was, uh, I'll try to save you most of the gruesome details, but I, I mean, I had sponge baths. I couldn't get out of the bed. I had to figure out how to use my leg muscles again after that. And, uh, and I had a slight reprieve. Now I thought that if I left New Jersey, I, my parents flew me back home from Florida after I got out of the hospital. And if I, I thought if I left New Jersey, and just went to the east, the the west coast, that I could figure out how to do music over here, and my life would be healed, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. it was just, you know, chasing after wind. And uh, so I came over here, and I ended up uh, just finding some just uh, random work, and then meeting Camille. So I had this reprieve from my addiction, but there was nothing. There was there was, there was really just it was just a mo- moment of weakness between me and using again. It was just a, mm-hmm. it was just a moment of, yeah, when, when I need to feel met, that. When we met, yeah. um, he was clean and he was actually honest about, cause it was maybe a year before that you had gotten. Yeah. It was about overdose. a year from the overdose. So, so I was like, I told that. her, I told her about my history and such. But I was like, Oh, it's, Oh, heroin. You can, I mean, he's, he's done with that. She, like I didn't, she didn't understand, I didn't understand. Uh, what kind of, uh, slavery that really was. Um, but uh, either way, so I ended up, we ended up getting in uh, using some other substances, um, you know, amphetamines and such together. Right. Uh, and uh, I was I also on the side since I was already dabbling that uh, convinced myself that a simple argument between us was enough for me to go get heroin. You know, mm-hmm. so it was just it was just another another reason to, to fall to that um, the the drug seduction and. So I, I struggled with it. Uh, um, we struggled because of that. We couldn't, you know, upkeep bills and we, um, we ended up on the street, you know, long story short. So we were living in, um, uh, so at one, you know, after 
moving from place to place and, and failing to situate ourselves and make proper income to take care of habits uh, our addictions and rent and uh, food and all those things we ended the up. The drugs were the priority. They were priority one like, because it couldn't function. Everything else. So we ended up on the street. We lived in um, we lived in an abandoned parking lot in off of Oxnard and Sepulveda in Van Nuys. You take steps to get to that that place. There's there's little steps down before you're just flat homeless. And by that time we had we were lit. My car had broken down on the way out of an apartment and we were stuck in the car. So I was stealing things to, to, to feed us or to get our drugs or to get, and then eventually I, I, I would, I stole a tent and we met uh, some other homeless people and just fit into that community. And, Mm -hmm. and that community was gang ridden. It was, it was uh, run by gangs uh, that we lived in a 56 person homeless population. So Mm -hmm. it was a big parking lot and we were extorted. Um, uh, so I had to steal things in order to, you know, pay off the gangs to not, you know, you know, steal our stuff and, you know, assault her and assault me. And, and you can use your imagination. They really, if they wanted to get at her more than myself. So I'd have to do these things. So it was a, multiple aspects of slavery besides just sin in itself. Now, I was a self-professed atheist. I used to call her crazy. Uh, uh, when she would even mention God, I, I would say, why are you talking about why why don't you just believe in harry potter you know uh so i would say terrible things like that just to give you a scope of where i was at so you know dead in your sins i was completely dead in my sins and i would represent that with with pride in a sense that i was against god i hated hated the idea of that you know so one of the times i i uh was stealing some groceries and I, i was a repeat offender for stealing i had multiple little misdemeanors and then I got another uh, theft charge, and they stuck me in jail under robbery. So they just upcharged me to keep me in there for a while because they were sick of seeing me, you know, do the same thing. Um, so I went to county this jail. In, this was in October this of what? Is, uh, 20, 2019. October 27th. Uh, and so she was left on the street herself. So I spent a month in jail fighting with attorneys and calling parents, like, you know, begging for bailout money, just just fighting my circumstances. I remember right before I got transferred, uh, I think my I just got out of court. I got some bad news and I didn't know where she was at and I couldn't get in touch with her. There was no phone. She didn't have a phone. There's no way to call her or to say where I was at. So I spent 30 days and it was, it was Thanksgiving and I just went to court, heard news that I just, I had to say, stay in there and fight it for a while. And I was like, wow, this is, this is serious, you know? Like, and I called my mom and she was like, this is your fight. She's like, you mm. need to figure out why you're really there. She's like, I'm not helping you. So there was, His there was nobody parents. that, <laughs> you know, they, my parents have been through so it. They were like, they, all right. Like yeah. They, they're like, okay, all right. You're, you're just going to have to do this. You're on your own. So, um, yeah. I was, I was being transferred up to the mountains, right up to where we're at right now, um, to the Supermax facility nearby and, um, Supermax. Supermax. Yeah. NCCF pitches detention center. It's kind of down the, down the five. And why do they send you up there? Uh, they were transferring me. That's where you go to kind of wait out trials. They, okay. It's like long, more long term. And it's uh, since my uh, my charge was a felony, I was up. I was in. Uh, I was in there with higher crimes. So I was in there. I was stealing. Well, the thing is, 
I, I was in there for for stealing, stealing muffins, muffins from the grocery store. But but they upcharged me, so but so I would have to fight. I would have to sit in there for a while. So. You're still a sinner. I mean, I whether it's muffins, or I know. Not, you know. No, but but I was in there with. <laughs> no, you know, I'm just saying. I was in there cause... with 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 people who did some yeah. serious crimes. So they sit you up in this facility. It's called Supermax. So yeah. it's maximum security, and you're in a dorm with 70 people uh, in each dorm. And uh, but by but right before I moved, I was rolling up my mat and. There was a Bible, a Gideon's Bible, under my mat. And I asked the people there, hey, is this anybody's Bible? And they're like, no, you know, you could take it. And I'm like, okay. So I took it as my only possession when I got transferred from downtown to up here. I took it as my only possession. I was like, whatever, I'll just take this. You know, if I'm bored, I'll read it. <laughs> and um, Guess you got bored in jail. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, boredom's uh, easy to come by in jail. Uh, so anyway, so I get up there and I, and I'm just like, uh, I was just kind of, I was just defeated. You know, I had a really terrible day. It was early in the morning. I got transferred up there and uh, they uh, they put me on a on a bunk and I opened the book and uh, there's uh, some questions in the beginning of the Gideon's Bible. It's, it just says like, are you alone? Are you anxious? Are you, uh, are you lo- loathing yourself? Do you, do you have no purpose? And I'm like, there's 20 questions at least. And Check. I'm like, yes, Check. to every single one. I was like, yes, yes, yes. And each each question had a verse that uh, corresponded to the the grace and love uh, found in the Lord Jesus Christ and the hope that was there. And being in such a hopeless and broken place, it was like, it was almost like reading words from an old friend. It was like, all of a sudden I, I believed them and it drew out just self-hatred and uh and and the complete recognition of how i'm looking in this book right now to god's word for help when i've been blaspheming him consistently for so many years and i cried out for mercy i was the the taxpayer uh beating on my chest saying god be merciful me it's for me to me a sinner and uh and uh he answered me right away and it was it was, it was, it was really amazing because I had faith out of nowhere. And so I had known that faith was a gift from God and that he was, I could sense his presence. That was really amazing. I, I sensed his presence. I felt a weight off of my shoulders. Like I never knew sin was so heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was filled with my tears of, of, distress uh where it turned to tears of joy and and i didn't know what happened i didn't know what salvation was i didn't know how what what, i didn't know about the atonement i didn't understand the logistics of what jesus did but i knew that he had paid for my sins and then the word of god became authoritative i knew it was talking to me um and so the very next morning uh chaplain frank mashal leonardo of only hope prison ministries had a Protestant service, and they're sent out by Mike Riccardi's ministry from Grace Church, and um, and then I, then he he explained the gospel. He he shared a testimony. He even shared a, in the beginning it was a prayer. He shared a prayer for fathers, um, uh, and then he shared his testimony, and then he, and then he uh, then he preached a message, and he explained uh, what Christ really did uh, to save sinners, and also the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I was so excited to hear the fullness of the gospel, and I knew that it was for me that that that, that message, even though there's like 12 people sitting in there, uh, was 
was from God to me personally. And uh, there was a sense of that, that like that I was receiving that message and my ears were open. And so I got, I, I got in touch with Frank afterwards and I, he probably thought I was crazy because I was so joyful. Like, hey, I need to tell you this happened to me. What you were saying happened to me. I couldn't even believe it, you know? And so uh, he's like, okay, I'll send, I'll send back a, a chaplain to visit you weekly. So um, while I was in there, I did the FOF course. I, I got my study Bible. That's Fundamentals of the yeah, Faith. Yeah, fundamental, Fundamentals of the Faith course. Yeah. I got my MacArthur study Bible in there. I started reading stuff from Spurgeon, uh, from uh, J.C. Ryle, uh, a couple other the Puritans. Uh, but it was good, good, solid uh, doctrine. And yeah. uh, I got to learn a lot. So I spent five months in there, four, for about four more months in there, uh, learning from God, just time with God's word. And it was a lot of time uh, to just be sitting there reading and studying. So this whole time, though, uh, I didn't know where she she was, you know, and it, it really it weighed on me. Uh, and to the point where I was, I, I, I was coveting that relationship, and I had to come to repentance over it. So the, the the Lord was teaching me right away. Sanctification was like on hyperdrive in there. I I, I couldn't curse anymore. My tongue got tied. I, just things changed, you know. Yeah. And uh, I just was becoming new, and it was really amazing. Even on the phone with my mother. Her hearing the change in me, she knew something happened, and I would be preaching the gospel to her over the phone all the time, uh, just completely overjoyed, just telling everybody that God was with me, I was fine. I, it, it was, it was, uh, it was a great. T- I had a great time the rest of the time in jail. So, <laughs> uh, but I was covering this relationship, he and did, I, I, think I had he actually and misses I, it sometimes. I, like, yeah. He's so like, I oh, I got so much time. reading done. Yeah, I got a lot of reading done. So. I, and I also read like Hard to Believe, I, I think, in there. Yeah, I read Hard to Believe by Pastor John in there. So I, I was already like, who is this guy? You know, I got yeah. to get there, you know, and, and all the chaplains are from Grace Church. So I knew I, like, I, had, to, I had to get to Grace Church when I got out of there. So I, was, uh, I, was, I asked the Lord to forgive me for, for ha- having anxiety over this relationship, and I, and I knew that everything was in his hands. And, um, and so I wrote this letter to Camille, um, and it was a message in a bottle because she didn't have an address. So I was like, I'm going to just send it to her sister's house. And it was, just a, it was just a confession. Like, it was a confession of my sinfulness in our relationship and that the Lord Jesus Christ had saved me. And I was like, something like amazing grace happened to me. I was trying to word it the right way. I was like, something happened to me in here, but God is with me and I'm going to follow him no matter what. And I was like, if, I hope that you can accept this. Um, but this is the way that I'm going. And, uh, and it, like I ended it with like, you know how to get in touch with me with my mom's cell phone number. You know, I was stuck in there. So I sent it to her sister's house. And I, meanwhile, I had no visits because all my family's on the East Coast. And um, the entire time I had no visits except for an attorney. Um, and then a week later, I get my first visit. And uh, she shows up. Yeah, she shows up. <laughs> and uh, she's pregnant with Dylan. And I was just, like, shocked, you know, because and all, all of a sudden I was just like, you got the letter, you know, my eyes lit up, you know, and she was like, what letter? She didn't get the letter. Um, I, I didn't even, I didn't she, know about the letter. <laughs> she was just on her own. Uh, the Lord was, she, she was, the, her parents were saying when she got, when she found out she was pregnant, her, uh, she got off the street, she went to the hospital. Yeah. I had a, I had a, um, a hard time when he was, um, in jail and 
Um, I was depressed and like living in our car and like, I, I just didn't know how to function. Um, and I didn't have an ID, so I couldn't go and visit him. And I actually, um, somehow got an infection in um, my finger and it was really, really bad. And, but I was stubborn and was so used to this life on the street that I didn't know how to like get to the hospital. And a friend actually was like, listen, you have to go to the hospital. Um, and I think I was having inklings that I might've been pregnant, but I was in denial because, oh, this is, you know, once again, I was like, this can't be my life, you know, that I'm homeless on the street and I might be pregnant and my boyfriend is in jail, like, and I haven't seen him. And I just, um, yeah, I eventually, um, was, uh, brought to the hospital and found out, um, that I was five months pregnant and, um, that I had a staph infection, um, that, um, I needed to have an operation and they were going to need to amputate my finger. Um, and, uh, that if, well, at first I was like, you know, this is crazy. Like, what's happening? You know, am I going to be okay? And they were like, yeah, you're fine. But if you don't, the infection could harm the baby. And so um, I had the surgery and everything was fine with um, my now daughter, uh, Dylan Grace. And, um, but that moment um, that, I felt like God's hand was on me from, I mean, I was so stubborn that I probably wouldn't let that car unless it was like for an infection. And that's just his loving. I was praying for her to get off the street, by the way, every night I was praying for her and answered prayer. It's it's answered prayer. Um, His way. It's, it's just, um, I needed that. I needed him to be that loving father who, um, did something, you know, drastic to kind of get my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was hard. But I'm I'm glad I went through that. Um, I got to the hospital and um, I had missed my family for a really long time. I had withdrawn from them because I was ashamed. Um, I didn't want them to see me. The way I had been living. So I couldn't um, pull myself to call them or get in touch with them. And even ironically, when we were living on the street, I was maybe less than 10 minutes away from where my sister was. And she didn't know. They didn't know where I was for over a year. And they thought that... They thought I had died or something. They were distraught and going through all this pain. And I was stuck in my sin. And hiding it. And trying to hide and ashamed of it. And not knowing how to fix it. And um, when I saw that opening to call my family... And I called them for the first time when I got in the hospital. And I told them that I was pregnant and that I was okay and that all this, you know, had happened. My mom was on the first plane out and she was with me the next day. My dad stayed home because he couldn't leave. But 
I had talked to him every day since. Um, my sister, who was maybe five minutes away from the hospital, was there by my bedside. And I just saw God's hand opening, like just really, his providence was just on me that whole time, like around everything that was happening, everything that was happening, including me getting to the hospital and no longer being in denial. And I was not, I wasn't even saved at the moment, but it just allowed me to, it it softened and opened up my heart to what was happening because all of a sudden I was in the hospital and no longer in denial of what was happening in my life. And immediately I knew that I had my family back with that Lawrence was going through all of this and I couldn't just sit and wallow about the situation. I was like, I needed to see him. I wanted him to know. I wanted to make sure he was okay. Because I didn't know. And I know that like he had done some things, but he wasn't a hardcore gangster. Like this guy was not. <laughs> um, and I was... I know, but um, I was, uh, you know, I was scared for him. Um, I was scared that I didn't know what was happening. I was in the dark. What Had he done something bad? I didn't know it was muffins at the time. I thought, you know, I was like, what Like, what could possibly be going wrong? My gang name is Muffin Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the guy that I was worried about in Supermax. Um <laughs> And so I, um, yeah, I felt this overwhelming need to get in touch with him, to find out what was going on with him in jail when I was in the hospital. And my parents, of course, you know, they hadn't heard from me in so long. They finally had me back. I was five months pregnant. I just had a really major surgery and I was still recovering from an infection. And they wanted me, genuinely, they wanted me home. They wanted to fly me back to New Jersey take care of me, you know, be there for the baby and all this stuff. And just, you know, I was like, no, I have to like get in touch with Lawrence. And for them, it was probably hard. I mean, it was hard for them to wrap their mind around it because neither of us, I didn't know where he was going to be. Because even if I knew at that time, though, that I couldn't make decisions just for myself anymore, I had another life to think about. And so um, it was scary, even though I was, you know, excited about saying it. I was, it was scary because when he left me, he was lost. He was um, addicted to something that I hated. I hated everything about just the way that we lived. Um, and I knew that I didn't want to live like that anymore. And I knew that I couldn't subject my child to that. So I was like, I'm going to go, I have to reach out to him, but I don't know how that's going to happen or how that's going to go. As soon as I was able to get uh, an ID, I booked a, a, what is it, a visit Mm -hmm. appointment. I went there and um, I... I felt I know I remember feeling stupid for going there because I was like, oh, I'm just one of those, you know, women that shows up to see her boyfriend in jail, six months pregnant. Like, what's going on? And I just remember it being the happiest day of my life. I saw him and he had never looked better. 
he was, he started crying. Um, and he was in his, his jail blues and behind the glass and he just looked so happy. Like he just looked, I instantly knew, I instantly knew that he was different, that there was something had changed and the first thing he said was I love you and the Lord is with me and it was the best thing I could have ever heard and he he had his Bible with him (laughs) the Bible that you you found (laughs) Uh, yeah I think so I I had a couple by that time (laughs) he was like trading he was like trading ramen for Bibles he was like (laughs) Um, and it was, I just remember at that time, all of the, it's just, again, that weight that he talks about. I just, I wasn't being saved at that moment, but it was like this weight had been lifted, um, that I could see us moving forward and living a life that didn't have to be the one that we lived anymore. Um, and I was excited to start that with him. And I know you Shall don't I pick it? up? Yeah. Shall I pick up here? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So handoff. Um, so, yeah. So I, I saw her there. And then, you know, it's crazy because God's providence, hindsight is much more visible uh, for me. And I think that a lot of times in the moment, it's hard to see his providence and his timing for things. But, I mean, while I saw her there pregnant, with Dylan, I mean, I told you that Frank Mascheronaro started off his his preaching the gospel with a prayer for fathers, mm-hmm. and I was sitting there, and I'm just saying that the, that the whole message that day was absolutely for me, and that the Lord was preparing me for uh, for something, and I got I just when I I was just about to be released when I saw her, and I was like, okay, so I'm going to this rehab facility, and I started preaching the gospel there over the phone. Oh, I, w- I wasn't able to see her right away. COVID time. started, ha- COVID things were happening. She was safe with her family. So I would just teach her about sin and, and, and that God is holy and that uh, sin demands a penalty. And I would just, just hammer it home. And so we ended up, we were still homeless. So uh, it's so amazing because the, the Lord put it in her heart to remain homeless instead of going and having her own apartment at her family's house to just be close to me for some reason. And uh, I would just send her sermons. I would when we got we had to go into a homeless shelter that was actually provi- uh, set up by Frank, uh, the chaplain Frank's son. He worked at the San Fernando Valley Rescue Mission, so we ended up moving our lives over to this place where uh, Dylan was born on May seventh, and then we were in bunk beds in like a 20 in a 20 you know bunk bed room like this big room with different families in there and uh and we had no tv or anything there's no distractions there was just john macarthur on the on the pulpit sermon after sermon from grace to you uh read i would read her the scriptures at night i would just i would just sit there and minister to her and talk to her when i and when i noticed sin coming out i would mention it i wouldn't let it slide you know and and uh and it, and it was, made her it was uncomfortable. Hard. It was hard because yeah. I hadn't, I, we had known each other completely different. So we lived this life together as different people before. And so um, it was hard for me to not fall into the sin of me being like, well, who are you to tell me what this, you know, how to act? Or I kept 
going back to our old sins and using those, you know what I mean? To, yeah. And um, it wasn't, it wasn't productive. It wasn't fueling anything positive. And I knew that even though I was, okay, I was, yeah, we're going to live this life together. And yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. I just, I hadn't felt like I was doing what was required of me. I was still falling into my old habits of anger and, you know, um, I mean, also I was hormonal. I, I just, I was like, end of my pregnancy to like, then I gave the baby trial back. So for like, sure. there was, yeah, it was You were in a trial. She I had, was, a, she had a C-section, so she was in a lot of pain. So like the, and the pandemic had happened. But, so we were like quarantined together with a new baby in this, you know, small space. It was a trial. As, as, as much of a blessing as it was for us to even have that, I was also living with someone who I felt was like totally different. And so there were things about what he was saying to me that were hard for me to hear. But then there was also, he was modeling this, um, this life that I was in awe. Like I just, he didn't have the anger that he had anymore. He was joyful about everything that was any trial that came our way. He was loving in a different way. It was, I couldn't feel more safe with him. And I knew that I could trust him for the first time ever. I could fully trust him. Mm. And that when that realization and him living the life that he was talking about, that was what finally reached me. That I, um, I remember one time I just, it was like just to pull, just to be angry. And I was, you know, just yelling at him about something. And he was like, Camille, he was like, that, that's anger. You have to repent of that. And I'm like, and I was thinking like, I'm human. I'm allowed to be angry. What am, what's the problem with that? Um, and he explained to me in, in full entirety, the gospel of, and why it wasn't okay for me to do that and how anger is a sin and how he, the Lord knows our hearts. So even if I'm saying something and not fully feeling it, it was wrong. And I, that was really when it hit me that I was, um, I wasn't living the way that I needed to be living because I couldn't see that I was doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking I was just a good person or I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. And once I, saw the weight of my sin and how I was continuing to sin and how I needed to repent of that. That was when things changed for me because I no longer saw it as I'm, I'm allowed to be angry. I could, I, it hurt me to feel that way. I couldn't, I had to repent. I knew that it hurt him. I knew that it hurt the Lord to know that. Hmm. And when I say him, I'm not even talking about my husband. Like it was really, it was really Hmm. like, um, I knew that I needed to reconcile Hmm. that with him and repent. And that was, uh, when I had a breakdown, I remember being with the baby and feeding her and just crying in repentance for just, For all that I had done, he loved me enough to give me life back. Like I had life. Mm -hmm. I finally saw 
what there was purpose to my life now and obeying his laws was something that I wanted to do I wasn't just being forced I wasn't I didn't fall into it complete heart direction change it was like I I wanted to do these things I wanted to be submissive which I thought now I mean it's still it's it's a a struggle it's a struggle for any marriage. Right there. It is a struggle. Uh-huh. It, but it's something I that I, I, I strive to do. Yeah. But, but it's about yeah. wanting to do that. Yeah. It's about understanding how he's designed things for us in in perfect harmony and how his way is always going to be better than our way. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But something that you said also, you, you were praying for her um, in jail. Right when you were in jail, like you were praying for her. I constantly. was praying for her to, yeah, for her salvation, for her to be off the street. Yeah, yeah. And so he he used me as, as an instrument of grace to just to just to teach her the truth, and yeah. uh, and he was merciful to the two of us. Now, I would say our life now, so it's characterized by. She, I mean. Uh, constant study of the Word of God. I, I, she's in the Word of God before I even open my eyes in the morning. It's it's amazing. She's in two book studies. That's the only we, way I can we're get in it foundation done with, the, with the two of them. It's yeah, like, uh, with the baby in him. Uh, I just but I but that, before where I would have to read it to her. There's like there's a there's a desire a desire and a dedication on her own. You know, and yeah. then and then understanding that. She can come to me to learn certain doctrines or learn about the Lord, and I can teach her what I what I know, and that that she wants to live by those things. So we have a pursuit of holiness together. We want to pursue holiness together, and so we have the, we have two people growing up in the Lord rather than one staying where they're at and one growing up. And after the change in her that I saw in the mission occur, and her to, her starting to hunger for the Lord, right, uh, in a way that I didn't have to. I didn't have to say a thing, you know, yeah. um, and her confessing her sins, saying sorry was like whole, that's a whole new world for her. I never did that. I, she was very, pr- she was I very, pr- I'm sorry, but you were was, very prideful. No, I mean, I was she, always she right. Was just, I she was right. Yeah. And so I just saw, uh, an amazing, uh, change in her heart. And, uh, since then it's been just so obvious, um, that she's being sanctified. And so we got married right after that. We didn't, I mean, we were in close quarters, we had a relationship prior that was a sexual relationship. We weren't trying to deal with. Uh, we loved each other. We had a child. We, didn't, we weren't trying to deal with any temptation. We were both in the faith. And so Frank Mash Leonardo, who met me at the bars, married us. Uh, wow. So we went with two chaplains and her sister, and we got married. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, so, was, it was a. Um, um, I mean, it was a different type of like shotgun wedding. It was like a. It was a coronavirus like like yeah. we did it because yeah. we were trying to be in obedience with. God's yeah. word, and we understood what that was now. Yeah. And I didn't have to plan a thing. He planned the whole wedding, which mean, <laughs> which, which meant, and that is so like, I thought, you know, I would plan this whole big day, and that was what I needed was all these people there, and mm. and the flowers, and everything would be perfect, and the dress. Um, oh my goodness, the dress would be, you know, the thing. And I um, was blessed to be able to have a wedding through this whole, you know, pandemic craziness um, at a chapel in North Hollywood that he found that was open. That was the only place like in L.A. County that we could get married. Um, (laughs) And I had a dress from Goodwill that was 
I think it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, you had your but head But everything was beautiful. It was perfect. Everything it was exactly what... was exactly the way that God had planned it for yeah. us. And we didn't have to really plan anything. And I think that I was just... It was living a new life. Like, I no longer had... I wasn't living in the past of, like, who we used to be or what. I, I realized that we had been given new life mm. and that we were n- now living a life that the Lord was now guiding our steps in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, once you allow him to guide your steps and, and you can no longer, you just have to give him the glory for it because mm-hmm. he's the one in control. You aren't anymore. Yeah. You've let go of that. And I saw that, that I think that seeing how amazing um, our wedding and that time was for us, um, yeah. Was it was special, it was and special. so we were baptized not long after that. We were baptized the night uh, Paul Washer was preaching at Grace, uh, and the two of us were, were baptized together. And through our testimony, um, a brother that works at Grace Church, um, uh, John Frankman, he uh, um, he houses the seminary guys as part of his ministry, and he gave us an apartment. Um, I work at the church, as you know, I work on custodial staff. Mm-hmm. Our my job and our house came from being close to Grace Church. So, I, I mean, there was used, not... used to tell one, me that all the time. There was like, not one priority bigger than yeah. getting involved with the church, getting baptized, and getting involved with uh, fellowship with other believers. So, yeah. uh, that before I even had a job, we were doing membership classes. Like, I didn't even have a he job. He dragged we us to just, Grace. <laughs> he, he was drawn, and I'm so happy that he did. Like I knew the church. He, he was like... <laughs> I, I remember that. when he got out, like... One of his biggest priorities when he got out of jail was getting close to Grace Church, going to Grace, and it didn't close. And so we were watching services on Zoom. Yeah. And it was, I remember saying to him, I was like, oh, it's such a just, like, it's so sad that you would see these, like, views of the, the open, like, the empty pews. Empty pews, yeah. Like, it would be John preaching this amazing sermon and, mm-hmm. you know, doing what he does weekly and a faithful servant, and there's no one there. Right. And it was like, you know, we just said, you know, I, I can't wait to go there. And um, I, we went and when it, things had just, like right before things had started, like really picking up with people coming to Grace. And from that moment, we, I was like, I see why, I see why you dragged us here. It's such a, a wonderful love there is amazing. The community love of in people. people. Yeah. And it, it creates um, fellowship that, we needed and didn't even know that we needed in that mm-hmm. way and that we could continue to be that for others and mm-hmm. and to the doctrine that, you know, we are constantly preached at grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just so thankful for our church in so many ways. I didn't understand it when he first started, you know, wanting to, to go. Um, and I just, I just know that We've been provided so much from the church, and, and it's not just our house or his job. It's it's like a, a, a whole other family that we love being a part of. Yeah. So and and our daughter loves it there too. Oh, yeah, she, 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 likes she it. loves so growing. It's the only place you can get smiling so faces right now. The <laughs> yeah. only place you can get smiling faces. Yeah. She likes to interact I'm now. Thankful. No, and I think like many, you know, all of us before we started recording, we were talking about that about mm. loving the church. And I even mentioned to you guys before I 
well, I, before I met my husband, Richard, mm. the only reason why I stayed in LA was because of Grace Community Church, because the Lord truly blessed me with a family in here in this church. And just to see that, you know, just how important the church is, because though you were raised in a Christian home, yeah. once you don't have like believers around you and, you know, it's very easy to just look the other way and just go right. and live a sinful life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of like what happened to me here. So it, I'm so grateful because the Lord brought me to grace in a time where I was going through a deep darkness in mm-hmm. my life and blessed me with so many wonderful believers. And yeah. so it's hard I, to I leave. got to meet you guys in foundation. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's crazy. You know, it's funny. Yeah. We actually met maybe five minutes away from Grace Church. Like, out, so we grew up in New Jersey. Yeah, and not I'm from far. New York. So yeah. I'm like, yeah. why are you? Yeah. We met. Uh, it's crazy. These families hang out now in the yeah, East Coast. Yeah, families uh, live the minutes away, all, and they have friends. the grandparent gang that's over there. Yeah. And then, but we met five minutes, like not far from Grace, on like Sherman Way. Mm-hmm. And um, years later, are fa- finding ourselves within that same vicinity. Not only at the church, but where we live and where. You know, we thought we would have to, and it's funny, in order to get away from our lives and of sin and all of that was going on before, I used to think I, we would have to move away, mm-hmm. you know? And now we can't even consider moving away. We're just like... Yeah, Grace Church. We have it's, to stay by Grace Church. Yeah, and, and, and also because it's not just because it's what we want to do, it's because we want yeah. to be used by the Lord in, in how He wants to use us and... Mm-hmm. um I think that it's been so great to see what he's done to allow us to be in this area. So yeah. this is part of our we're praying this is about, part of our path. Yeah. And yeah. we know it and it's it's we're convicted of it cuz and uh I just applied for seminary uh last well, I finished my application last week. So uh, we plan on staying here for a while, but we we do want to get in the ministry. Um, so pray for and, us about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I know it's a it's a lot, and I, I work alongside a bunch of seminary guys, and I see what they go through. Um, so I'm going to need to heavily rely on the grace of God. But mm-hmm. uh, we we just we just want to give our lives and pour it out for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it is the only hope that anyone has in order to be reconciled to God. And to have eternal life and that this life wouldn't be futile. Uh, that's what we were really in. We were in futile pursuits. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if somebody's driving a Rolls Royce or living in a tent. They both need Jesus Christ just the same. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Amen. I do have a question for you, yeah. Camille. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I want to ask this question is because the times that we're living right now. Yeah. Uh, abortion. It's a big thing in our yeah. world nowadays you were homeless he yeah. wasn't in the picture did you think about having an abortion at this time when you no. you found out why now because you were you were a homeless i mean and, yeah. and he's not even with you so why yeah. didn't you what well, we hear about my body my choice and if mm. someone sees a homeless then they think that it's right to do mm-hmm. that so why didn't you think about it that's a that's a great question um and i've never uh had anyone asked me that? I wanted to be a mother for so long, mm-hmm. um, for many years, even throughout our homelessness. I not that I wanted to have a baby then. I actually thought that because of my situation, mm-hmm. um, I would never get to have kids. Mm. I spent many nights crying about that, mm-hmm. feeling like I missed my opportunity to have a family. 
So for me, um, I just knew that it, what I had been given was a gift uh, to be able to experience that. And, and I knew, I always said that if I was going to be a mom, I would want to be the best mom that I could be. Mm-hmm. And immediately did not think of what was going on with me as a choice. I I knew that she was there. Mm-hmm. Even when um, I tried to deny it. So mm-hmm. um, that connection, I couldn't, I don't see how you could end that mm-hmm. because of a, cho- a personal choice. Yeah. Um, my homelessness was a situation that was not my daughter's fault Mm -hmm. and so to make a decision about her life and whether she could live that life or whether she was even a life Mm -hmm. based on the sins that I had been participating in and the road that I had been led down or um, our situation just because it was convenient Um, I feel that it wasn't even a choice for me, but I know that many choose to say that, um, call it a fetus mm-hmm. and, um, try to take away the life and the, I mean, when I look at my daughter, she's, we're all made in the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. But she's just so special. I see her and I feel like she's just left the Lord. Like she just left him. Like she's just so happy. Like there's so many special moments that I have with her. And I think that she's just been created to show us what being in the image of God is about. Like that is what it is, is to look into that child's face and see that uninhibited joy and love. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, my life would not have been the same if I had made a decision like that. Um, but also, I think I just, I couldn't even think that that was a choice that I would make. And then yeah. considering, I mean, some people would say that I didn't find out till I was five months pregnant, so it's different. But yeah, even if it people had been still early. People babies at five months here. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. so. Crazy. I think it goes yeah. up Giving later, further than that. Oh, yeah, it's all the way yeah. I right would, yeah. I would, yeah. I would, yeah. I would think that that is such a, that's such an, I'm sorry, that's such an evil thing mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. to, to know that there's a life inside of you. And, and mind you, homelessness does not stop people from getting pregnant. So there are people that are homeless that get pregnant all the time. Um, we have lived with homeless women. Mm-hmm. Just, like been around, like seeing them, and I understand why you don't see any kids on the street, and I'm I'm happy for that. Well, yeah. not that that doesn't happen, but um, I used to. I remember saying like, "Well, there are no kids around." That thank no. God for that. But you know, there's. So we have programs, but it's programs that come in place, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, these mothers that are unable to care for their children in the way that they're supposed to, yeah, no longer have that right to it or they're not given the ability to make decisions for their child anymore and I believe that that is the best way that's why adoption is available that's why I know I know that there are flaws in 
the system and how things work. And there are children that are done a grave disservice in the way that the system works for them and the way that people do. But it is um, not our place. It's not our, you know, decision to end a life based on our um, mistake. If even if it's a mistake, you can't you can't our, give someone the death penalty on, from somebody else's mistake. You can't do that in any other circumstance. I just think that that you're you're condemning a, a child to die because you did something you didn't want to do or mm-hmm. at a, a circumstance. Or if it's, it's not convenient like said, for you, like because I, if I wanted to continue, her, yeah. yeah, if I yeah. wanted to continue to do drugs or live on the street. Um, so it's not convenient for me to have a baby. And then, you know, I, I, I just can't, yeah, I don't think that that is, there are, there are plenty of people that would love to yeah. um, be a part of that child's life and, and be positive. And I think that it was interesting that in foundations we were, Pastor Mark was preaching about the origins of um, adoption mm-hmm. and how it started um, because the Jews were the the ones that would take in children that were cast Christians, out. The Christians, the Christians sorry, yeah. were taking in the early children. Christians. They would cast out, um, the, the Greeks would cast out their children, the Romans, I mean, and they would actually have Christians adopt them or mm-hmm. take them in. And mm-hmm. that's what, um, that's where adoption started. Mm-hmm. And um, the Romans, Romans or the Greeks would put them out for either gladiator or prostitution, and they would just either you know donate some them either on their service, doorstep. and uh, they would be a source of entertainment for other people, like just slaves. Think, so yeah, they, they, yeah. the Christians started that. I think adoption is something that people overlook. I've we've we've done a we actually look into this issue a lot, um, and it's something that I know my husband is definitely really passionate about i i get emotional about it um but i know that this is something that uh people struggle with understanding um their god-given rights is what they think as to their body and Mm -hmm. what that means for them and those are their rights that are given and it's like well this life that you're carrying has rights and we're told by God to allow them to live their life, that they are uh, made in his image and um, he's created them, each and every one of them. He he knew us and our unformed substance and, you know, Mm -hmm. before you even knew that they were there, he Mm -hmm. knew. And I think that that's something that we can't run away from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Lawrence, so you you were just telling us also that you um, have recently applied to the master's seminary. Yes. So, what is the goal for you with this? Um, the ultimate goal later on, like, what do you plan on doing? Like, our ministry, as far as ministry, do you want to go into ministry? Yeah. I, well, I'd like to get into ministry. I've also, I mean, um, I have a couple of. Ideas. I know the Lord is ultimately going to choose. Um, I want to, first of all, I want to rightly handle the Word of God. And the Master Seminary is amazing with teaching you how to understand how to use Scripture. Because even in things like biblical counseling, where you're doing open heart surgery on somebody uh, in, uh, spiritually, um, it, it needs precision and devotion and, and a lot of study. So yeah. first and foremost, I want to be able to use the word of God because I have a heart for the lost. I, I, mm-hmm. I, um, I just started, um, 
working alongside Ty Nickelberry, um, who preached last night in Foundation, and him and a, uh, a couple of brothers, Jose, you know, um, yeah. we're going to branch out and each lead a group of evangelists to go to the go to the street and start telling people the gospel. And so I just have a heart for the loss. I don't know. I, I'm not set on just you know wanting to be a pastor of a church or wanting to be a missionary, but. Uh, I do. I do see no other purpose in in my life other than to tell people the truth, mm-hmm. the saving truth of Jesus Christ. There's no other point. Uh, I see no point. So, whatever the Lord chooses for me to do, I don't. Uh, I, I would gladly spill my life. We've already talked about it. Like he wrote know, it in his as, letter, the letter to me actually when he was in jail. He also oh, you found the letter eventually. Eventually, no, I, yeah, her sister. Oh, yeah, got it. It never yeah, got it. Okay, the sister. No, I, I forgot never, her sister got it and it. gave it to her eventually. I yeah, saw it so. after we we saw it. And it, okay, okay. it's um, it's amazing. I actually don't believe he wrote it. it that is literally <laughs> the hand of God. I literally, I actually said in there, like, I, I, I promise so you, I didn't get hit on the head or do drugs. <laughs> Because it, it was so, no, honestly, he was, it was like another person talking and then it was so eloquent. It was so beautiful. Um, and to hear him talk passionately about the, he was so sure that he it, it literally said in there like, oh, I think I'm meant to be a preacher. And I was like, what? You know, it was amazing. But he even wrote it back then when he was behind bars that he wanted to devote his life to preaching the word of God, and just the, the desires has been there, just a yeah. driving force of yeah. my focus. A man who and, hated God and who didn't want anything to do with God now wants to talk about the same person <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. every right? conversation, wherever I go, he goes. Yeah, so. isn't it like like amazing? It's like truly like a heart surgery. It's the Lord has to take that like dark and hard and yeah. give us a new one. So that we can have the desires that you were just explaining, right? It's like a transformation. We are a new creation yeah. now in, in Christ. Yeah. He uh, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and mm-hmm. transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. And so that's Colossians one thirteen, And I think that that is the verse that I would say signifies our life. Because you can see our physical darkness uh, and then the light now. I think it's, it has a good contrast um, and that verse, I think, sticks out uh, and the, with and our you know, story. And the thing is, it's, I mean, honestly, you see how he uses um, what he's given you. Even he's created all of us, right? With all of these different personalities and talents. And we are blessed to be able to use them for the kingdom. And I mm. think he took such a, I met Lawrence, he was this passionate I'm never like I'm really chill and you know like island time island kind of thing. She's got the vibe. Yeah, she's got the vibe. Yeah, and I'm like, and then he like I had never seen anyone just like move so. He was just mm-hmm. I actually liked that go getter um, passion in him, and he was um, yeah he never um, put his mind to something and then didn't do it, and he used to use those talents and those things for for evil like he used to use them to do other things like unfortunately i've never seen anyone so good at the bad things that he did you know like and it's and it was just like i used to be like wow he could you could do so much more and you could um with your life and i'm just so happy that the lord is using someone like him with the passion that he has. And I, and I just know that I've seen him change 
and use it for mm-hmm. the good. And um, I'm excited to see how that's good. Like um, that, he switches it. Yeah, and yeah. how, and how he I'm can able use to bad things that. for good. Like, and I've, can, I've, I, yeah, I'm yeah. excited to see how mm-hmm. uh, our family is able to support him in that, and how we're able to uh, grow to do be used by him as well and mm-hmm. alongside and whatever ministry he provides for us. Yeah. So. And praise the Lord that he brought you where you are, that you found the Bible. I think you're like the second oh. person that, or third that I hear about having an experience like that. You find the Bible and it's God's word just speaking to you. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. convicted me. Just talked to me. It was authoritative. It was like, I, I didn't, it was like, it was crazy. Yeah. So just a reminder, right? That, it's God's word that God's brings salvation. Yeah, it's not us. No, nope. we are just like what? Uh, what is that called? Earthen vessels. Yeah, clay pots. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's what I mean. <laughs> we have this treasure in earthen vessels yeah. so that the surpassing greatness of the power would be of God and not of ourselves. Exactly, yeah. and we're here to preach the gospel, mm-hmm. and then the rest is on the Lord. Yeah, that's yeah. It. It's all the seed. Yeah, so, yeah. So. Uh, I'm going to go to you to the, and it's the, the question is for both of you, but three things that brings you joy. Reading about God's word, uh, fellowship, and I think singing hymns. I'm, I mean, my whole life is just, I don't even have hobbies anymore. Like <laughs> I didn't, I didn't used to read books, but, uh, so those are like hobbies of mine, but I mean, I would say obviously my family and my daughter, uh, there's a, there's many things, but I think, uh, study, um, uh, is like one of my greatest joys. And then every, that upward love, being able to share it with my family is yeah. my greatest joy. So. Pass it on that was like you. eight. Or, or <laughs> I think that was four. I, I, say three, I say three. I love yeah. it down, but yeah. that's good. That's okay. great. No, I, um, three I think <laughs> three things. And it's crazy because I think that um, he's the singer in the family. But I enjoy like joyfully singing for the Lord now. Like before I used to be like, oh, is my voice like, okay, is my cracking? Like, you know, and now, um, and now I, I understand why my grandmother all throughout me growing up in church would be the loudest. She was, I love her so much, but she doesn't really, you know, she's a little tone deaf as I am, but was always the loudest singer. And now I understand because she wants to sing joyfully for him and to him. And, and so I, um, it brings me so much joy to sing unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's Psalm 98 talks about singing to Yahweh for he has done wondrous deeds. And it's, um, I think every new song that I sing to him, I'm emotionally connected. And it's not just an emotion. It's just, I, I understand what I'm singing about now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a joy to sing. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, we, I'm so happy about the fellowship that we have because I know he says it, but like, look at what it's cultivating here. This relationship, meeting you and your husband, husband, and like, shout out to Andrea, you know, <laughs> um, and all of the wonderful people that um, we've met, even if it's, um, you know, just passing by. Like, I feel like I used to be really bad with names before. And I'm still not great with names, but I want, but but I I want to know about that person so much that I remember names mm-hmm. in a different way now. Um, so I'm I, I love the fellowship that 
we are able to receive mm. um, from the church, and it brings me joy. And One more. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, my 10-month-old daughter, who brings me so much joy. And She's actually, so what's what brings me joy is that time in the morning that I'm able to spend in the Word, and I see um, them sleeping. It's a moment of just serenity and and joy for me. So mm-hmm. that um, early morning hours when I'm uh, watching my family that the Lord has provided for me sleep mm-hmm. while I, I have some time in the Word, that brings yeah. me joy. Amen. And I do have a one last question for um, Lawrence, mm. but I uh, will read this verse. Mm. Um, and it's in Second Corinthians five seventeen, and something that I just kind of mentioned um, before. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away; behold, new things have come. And I think you know this is constantly what we keep hearing here. You guys, I mean, how yeah. long? How 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 long is it since you guys have been saved? Because you guys been mentioning two thousand nineteen of this thing, so it's been November thirtieth. 2019. Yeah. So it's praise the Lord. Yeah. And hers is... I would... I I remember it being right after... Like, right before we... um, Right after we had the baby Mm -hmm. and right before we moved into the... um, The apartment. Communal living. Yeah. With... um, no, because we were still living at the rescue mission after oh, yeah, we had the baby. Yes. yes. Um, but we, we, we had were this transferred into a different short facility. Like moment different, where we were, yeah, we were yeah, in a room by ourselves, room and then another room um, with yeah. the baby. And um, I remember it happening then. But all the days with the baby, uh, a newborn, are blurred. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I it was. I think it's. Uh, yeah. So right in. In between. July. In between. Yeah, in between, it was probably June. Oh, June. It, it was, was June, June. Yeah. 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 yeah, and praise the Lord just to hear you guys are both, all of us, you know, a new creation and just to see from what you have described of your past and to see where you are now and standing with the Lord and see your love for the Word of God. I mean, you memorize Scripture already, you know. Oh, yeah. like he, he got me. That's where I get my convictions, you know. <laughs> i got to keep them. And know? he got me my own Legacy Standard Bible. We all got but... Legacy Standards. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I was uh, I was reading also just this uh, verse. Very grateful just for um, the man that have you know spent almost a year, right? So the the, the whole Bible will be out. I think uh, sometime in October uh, this year. Uh, so you guys, but you can still get the um, it's the New Testament and Psalms uh, and Proverbs. Uh, so you can get that on uh, online uh like i said just go to at legacy standard bible on instagram and you can find them it's amazing i mean i just love that they are using yahweh for the capital l o r d yeah (laughs) yahweh so how amazing just that's like the intimate you know like that intimacy of like god's intimate name given to us right (laughs) so it's like it's a personal um Mm, thing that we he has revealed his name to us through his word and he wants us to know him that way you know that's yeah that's what we're called right to have that intimate relationship with the lord but uh, lawrence since you're so passionate about the word of god i do have one question at the end of the podcast it is (laughs) that you if anyone is listening today and maybe they had a past or are currently in a lifestyle like you guys had, 
Um, if they don't know Christ, why is it that we all need Christ? Why do we? Why do you love this Christ that you so much hated before? Well, because Christ is the only way a human being in this fallen world can be reconciled to God. Um, see, uh, God is holy, and He He cannot uh, allow sin to go unpunished. Therefore, He sent His Son in His the eternal Son. In, in this is God coming into the flesh. Uh, born of a virgin, uh, a divine miracle in itself, and living a perfect, sinless life, but yet willfully uh, taking the wrath of the Father in the place of sinners, so that if they believed in him, repented of their sins, that means not only to confess them unto God, but to turn from them and put their trust in Jesus Christ, that God could legally, the legality of it is that God could use Christ's blood to cleanse you of your sin. So God could justify you by punishing Christ. So in other words, when God saw Jesus on the cross, he poured out his wrath um, on him, seeing sinners like you and me. And when God sees us now, he's imputed Jesus's perfect life on our account. It's mm-hmm. a trait of life, really. And to show that Jesus was, in fact, uh, the Son of God and defeated death, he rose again three days later and is seated the right hand of the Father. He is definitely, most definitely alive and well and on the throne. Mm-hmm. He is king, whether anybody recognizes him to be or not. And I, I just don't want people to die without their sins being atoned for. That's, that's called the atonement. Um, because you will pay for that if, if you don't take heed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's by grace. It's, it's, a, it's a grace of God. It said that uh, we saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten in John 1.14. He says, full of grace and truth. Um, this is God's gift to humanity. This is the way out. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way for a human being to be reconciled to God than to repent of one's sin and to trust in the work, the life and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you mind closing us in prayers? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to glorify yourself, your Son, and the Spirit, and your redemptive, perfect purposes, to give glory to your ability to change anyone. And that that means anyone, God. You are all-powerful. And God, thank you for having mercy on sinners like us and granting us repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who has removed those iniquities as far as east to west and has given us newness of life. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the church and just for this opportunity to, to share really your testimony, a testament to, to your changing power. And we pray this in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of the Son, uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. And we all say, Amen. Amen. 
Hey guys, thank you so much for listening or watching our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would like to invite you to support us by leaving us a review. Let us know how you have been encouraged by each one of the stories that you have listened here. Also leaving us your feedback. You can also help by following us on social media on Instagram and Facebook or by liking or commenting on our post and also by sharing with your friends and family. Also, don't forget to subscribe on our podcast and YouTube channel. Another way that you can also help us is financially by visiting our Patreon page by going on the link here on the description.